What's the buzz and tell me what's a happening? This is the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 37. I, of course, am your host, Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter at Pyromaniac Mo. That's all letters P Y R O M A N I A C M O. On today's episode, episode 37 of the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast, I had the pleasure to sit down once again with Sigmund Bloom, co-owner of footballguys.com. We touch on an array of topics, checking in with many NFL offenses and talk about what the fantasy impact is going to be. Uh, we really traverse the landscape. We hit Motown and Minnesota, talk about the backfields in Tampa and the Texans running backs, We've got pass catchers in Pittsburgh and so much more. Sigmund has some great tight end takes, and of course, we look at some rookies to keep an eye on, which injuries are most pressing, and more. All the fantasy goo just for you on the 37th episode of the Pyrolite Podcast. Today's music is Fish, which Sigmund and I actually discuss a bit today. The song, 46 Days. As always, if you dug it, Stay tuned at the end of the podcast, and you can hear 46 Days from Fish in its entirety. Now, I just want to remind folks, go on over to pyromaniac.com. Lots of exciting, cool goo are going on. You can sign up to be a Pyro Pro. You get weekly rankings, weekly write-ups, news feeds. You can ask us questions directly. A resource toolbox we are always filling with charts and graphs. And you can even follow up to 100 players where all the bits of info you will need to dominate your league are tracked and sent right to you. Of course, we've also got the 2016 Fantasy Draft Kit, over 20 tabs of mass destruction. I'm talking sleepers and busts, power rankings, return on investments, snap counts, team tendencies. We include an introspective look at a recent pyro mock draft and so much more. Both of these weapons of mass destruction are on sale and available on our homepage. That's pyromaniac.com. Now, just want to remind you guys, if indeed you are starting up a new league, please go to leaguesafe.com forward slash pyro. That's leaguesafe.com forward slash P-Y-R-O. Not only are they going to take care of payment and payout at the end of the season, but they're going to give you 10 bucks just for doing it. You got to use the promo code PYRO. All new leagues get a $10 credit in their league balance. The only requirements, each league must have at least $250 in their league balance, and they have to have at least five unique paying members. That's five different email addresses. That's it. If you do that, they're going to give you 10 bucks just for doing it, and you get to help us out. Again, leaguesafe.com forward slash pyro finally uh keep the reviews coming in you guys have really been responding i want you to keep responding subscribe to pyromaniac and you're going to get the pyro light sent to you with every release you're going to get the pyro heavy the fantasy football fire sent to you with every release uh give us a review here's one from jenny d 3301 Love listening to the podcast. The knowledge you receive is amazing. These guys keep my day going and are very entertaining. Well, thank you, Jenny. Uh, we do really appreciate the reviews. Take some time. Help us out by subscribing and leaving a review just like Jenny D. 3301. All right, gang. 
Boys and girls and pyromaniacs of all ages, crack open a Val Verde, as it is my great pleasure to catch up with Sigmund Bloom on today's episode of the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast. Enjoy. All right, pyromaniacs. As promised, I am here once again with the wonderful Mr. Sigmund Bloom. Of course, you can follow Sig on Twitter. That is at S-I-G-M-U-N-D-B-L-O-O-M. He, of course, is co-owner of FootballGuys.com. He's a regular voice on the Audible podcast and the introspective, metacognitive fantasy football show that is on the couch. And, of course, all of that is brought to you by FootballGuys.com. Mr. Sigmund Bloom, how are you, sir? Oh, fantastic. You know, this is our last time to breathe in the air before we go underwater for five, six months uh, and enjoy the way that time passes during a football season, which is, is beautiful indeed. Uh, hopefully everybody like the NFL takes advantage of the opportunity in early July to have some rest and relaxation. And I'll be doing that for the next few weeks. It's good to be back on your show. I've been looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, as always, um, we, this community continues to grow every year, more and more wonderful people, uh, coming into it, adding their energy. And when you say metacognitive, I love that, by the way. But it does make me think, when I think of meta, I think, and this would be true about me, that, you know, we, we make an aerobros or sometimes our, I may put my head uh, somewhere where it doesn't belong. <laughs> my, my wife has said the same thing on a few occasions. Mm. Now, to give folks a, a bit of a peek behind the pyro curtain, uh, you know, I reach out to people across the, the fantasy community. You know, sometimes I get great responses. Sometimes I don't hear back from anybody and then everywhere in between. Uh, but you have been just phenomenal. As you mentioned, this is our second fantasy football talk on the Pyrolite podcast. But even beyond that, uh, I had some technical questions when I was first getting going, you know, podcasting, microphone, recording kind of stuff. You gave me a leg up and I, I really can't thank you enough. You've been generous. You've been gracious. You know, I felt like I reached out my hand and you were there uh, to pull me up. So you've earned a warm place in my heart, sir. Oh, it's great. And I think that it is how this world, how the football world uh, functions. And it becomes very easy whenever you recognize that n none of us are self-made, uh, that we've all had a lot of help. And it's it feels good. Um, and I am much more proud of people that I've encountered through my travels through the industry that I have watched in some cases, maybe even surpass me, uh, than making a call and, you know, helping people win a championship or something like that, because it is about our community. And I think, uh, podcasting and talking to each other and the way that we open ourselves up to our audiences and our audiences open themselves up to us, uh, is the main thing that's happening here. And the fantasy football is just the topic for us to get together and keep each other company. Well, and, you know, your show on the couch in particular uh, has really been an inspiration. I don't think there would be a pyro light when I do fantasy football talks without uh, you having sort of knocked down that door with on the couch. And, you know, they say uh, flattery or what mm. is the, the imitation is the imitation form of flattery. Thank you. Thank you. Now, they say that, and they also, according to John Fishman, mm, drummer mm. from the band Fish, which you and I both love dearly, uh, he, Fishman said there's two ways you can be creative in this world. You can lock yourself in a dark room for a long time, and whatever you come out with is completely yours. Or you can immerse yourself in everything, which to me is unavoidable. And by immersing yourself in everything, 
you're going to take little dabs of this and that and then bring together your life experiences and your outside influences and what you create is still creation and it is still yours. So you are certainly a very large part of my creation here on this show, On the Couch is uh, one of my top favorite podcasts and really inspired me to kind of take this direction with this show. So Excellent. Uh, I thank you. And to put a little feather in your cap or maybe a feather in my cap, I'm not sure, but just as you helped me, I've had some folks reach out to me. I'm on a uh, Twitter podcast group, a bunch of sort of kind of startup podcasts, helping one, one another out. Uh, we promote for one another. We ask questions about microphones and whatnot, podcasting stuff. And I had passed on a lot of the stuff that you said to me when I asked. In fact, you and Matt Harrison from uh, LeagueSafe were, were so helpful. Um, so I just wanted you to know that that cycle continues. Yeah. I'm I'm still trying to pay it forward and help others, much in the same way I think you once brought up uh, C.O. Bricado right. helped you. So uh, tell us yeah, the C.O. Sure. Bricado story. First, because I can never pass an opportunity to geek out on fish a little bit. I want to bring up yeah. a, a relevant quote from Mike Gordon to the World of Fantasy Football. I, uh, once he said, you know, people coming up to me with a pie chart of our openers on the last tour to try to predict the opener on the next show. And I think, ooh, Maybe you're a little too into this, but then I think oh, I do appreciate a good pie chart. Uh, so we all appreciate good pie charts in fantasy football. And we all, all, all are all a little too into this. Um, Cio Bricado is the scout. Uh, may he rest in peace. He just he died in the last few years. The scout. Um, he invented the three cone drill and and so on. Um, he was still working very close up to the time of his death. You would see him if you did the All Star Game circuit. You'd see him out on the road. Uh, and he was royalty. We want to get to see Obricado in the Hall of Fame. Scouting royalty. And he represents the scouting community and that thankless job of scouting so well. Um, and we were in awe of him at the 2007 uh, Texas versus the Nation game. Or I'm sorry, 2008 uh, Texas versus the Nation game. We were just in awe of him. Still working for the Titans, uh, their regional scout. And um, there he was. Uh, and you could just there's just an aura around people like this. And Buddy Ryan, by the way, who just uh, recently passed this week, may he rest in peace, uh, also an amazing contributor to the game of football. If you love defensive football, then Buddy Ryan is somebody that we all owe a nod to, just the mentality of defensive football. Anyway, Cio Bracado was he's a he's a living legend. Now, you know, he's passed at the time. He was a living legend. And here we were. We had just started Draft Guys. We had just started the show Draft Guys TV. I had only been doing the fantasy football stuff for a couple of years. It was still a, a little fledgling industry, if it was even an industry back then. And we thought, let's try to interview C.O. Bricado. And uh, amazingly, I was blown away You know, when we asked him if we could, you know, Mr. Bricado, just contributed so much to the football world. You know, do you think we could have like four or five minutes of your time? Um and he said, yeah, sure. And we were up at the press box at the Sun Bowl in El Paso. He let Mark Paletti, my amazing cameraman, producer, director of the show, get everything lined up just right. You know, I was nervous, so nervous, asking him the questions uh, about his history and things like that. Afterwards, the, the key thing here in the, in the story is, so what, so Cio Bricado was known, for instance, that he knew like, the janitors, the groundskeepers at every college, because he could get in to the pro day at 5 a.m., even though nobody else was going to get in until 7 a.m., so that he could get his little stool and sit right at the finish line of the 40, so that he could have the most accurate 40 times and other things like that. In other words, the idea was like, you treat everybody that you meet with respect. You treat every, and not because of what they can do for you later on, because that's just how you go through the world. 
and he was always there at five five thirty or six a.m. And because we loved what we were doing so much, uh, we were taping the Texas versus the Nation practices and interviews and things like that. It's when they would open up the doors to the Sun Bowl for the practice, like he would be there and we would be there. And that's why he was gracious and happy to give us his time uh, and his expertise for our show because he saw that we were like him, that we loved the work. And it's yeah. something that I say to everybody that asks advice or you know just wants some perspective. If you do work, and this doesn't just apply to football, if you do work that you love, the work is the reward. And then all the success or advancement or whatever it is that you're looking for starts to just come. If you're focused on the success, if you're focused on the outcome, that does work for some people, don't get me wrong. But I think that if you focus on your love and your passion and the, and the work is its own reward, people see that, they're drawn to it, and whatever you're doing, it will make you a, a success because the time you spend doing it will be time well spent. Yeah, that's interesting. I've seen some cool studies, um, people doing things in life. And of course, if you're doing something um, menial, something small, uh, you know, I don't know, washing Burger King bathrooms or something, there is a bit of a monetary incentive. But however, once you get beyond that, they found that monetary incentive or, or getting more money doesn't really motivate people. What really motivates people is love, uh, mm -hmm. ownership, owning what they do, loving what they do. And even if there's no money attached, the product is just better because they themselves are attached to the process. Yeah. And I think that's one reason many of us love fantasy is because we were eating and breathing fantasy before we were even doing this. And we found a way to just get into it even further. Yeah, and all the interactions we have, like right now, all the things we do, those those are everlasting. If it leads to a certain amount of jobs or money or whatever, it's the, this time that we've all gotten to know each other. Like you say, people that re you've reached out to, people that reach out to you, and you keep passing it on. And it's that uh, John Lennon, like life is what happens while you're making other plans. you know. So while we're yeah. thinking about the why of what we're doing this, the actual point that we were talking before that we came on, I was mentioning my the favorite Alan Watts quote about you know life is not about – the end success or heaven or whatever life is music and you're supposed to sing or dance while the music is being played. And I think all of us in the fantasy football community have done a tremendous job singing and dancing along with the music that football is. And, and that's what has made this community so strong and close knit. One of my uh, favorite quotes. And then I got another quick one for you as we are getting to know Sigmund Bloom here on the Pyrolite podcast. Uh, Keller Williams mm -hmm. has a song um, work, the, the lyrics are work like you don't need the money, love like you've never been hurt, dance like nobody is watching, which I think is a... Yeah, and a, don't watch me dance because you'll see why, <laughs> what that line really means. Hey, at Fish Show, baby, I've got my eyes closed yeah. doing my own thing. It's all, so, it all goes. It's all good. So uh, I got a, a couple here for you. Now, I know you are a Vonnegut fan. Is, is that correct, sir? Oh, yeah. Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt... I consumed those books when I discovered Kurt Vonnegut in college and um, they're very close to you just, when you, we were talking about uh, your, your daytime gig. And, you know, when you find in literature, you find yourself in literature, uh, you want to, you want to follow that golden thread and see where it leads. And I think I'm definitely not alone in having that aha moment. The first time you open a Kurt Vonnegut book. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit beforehand, even about uh, Herman Hess mm -hmm. and, uh, one of my favorites, Steppenwolf, of course, mm. uh, he discovers that he is not just two things. He's not just wolf or man, but we are a multiplicity of things. 
Uh, if we were two, though, let me give you two. Okay. So you got to pick one or the other. Okay. Fish or the Grateful Dead? That's fish. I mean, I actually, the the Spectrum show, I was supposed to go to the Spectrum show in 94, mm-hmm. I think, when they played Unbroken Chain for the first time. But I was always saving my money for Fish Tour. All right. So, you know, uh, fair, or 95, I mean. Uh, I think, I don't even remember now. So Fish, Fish was my true love. Uh, Syracuse University, I was there in the mid-90s. It was ground zero for the Fish community. So many of my best friends. And I'm about to be at Dick's going to Dick's and there's a rumor that uh, fish fall tour is going to come back through Texas. So wish me luck there. Cause fish in Texas was a long time before last year, but uh, it's, it's fish. Fish is where I will always associate that soaring feeling of being in your early twenties, yeah. uh, that weightlessness. And yeah. maybe if I was born like five years earlier, it would have been grateful dead, but fish all the way. But now I'm really into the scene that I think you could use like Kendrick Lamar as the, the, the center of the, uh, the spokes of the wheel of artists like Flying Lotus, who's Alex Coltrane's nephew, who's doing a lot of producing, Thundercat, um, Kamasi Washington, Terrace Martin. There's this whole scene in uh, Southern California that is like a fusion of jazz and hip hop and soul and R&B. Uh, they're breaking down barriers. And it's there's so much really really incredible music being made right now. Um, so my favorite albums are Anderson Pock, um, uh, K K Trinata. Um, just there's so much incredible music being made right now. So it took me until I was 40, Mo. But actually, I think what I like is cool again. I like it. I dig it. And uh, you mentioned a couple things there. First up, Fantasy Fish. I remember playing oh, yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Quite a bit of I Fantasy was SM Bloom. Fish. I was if you were in the forums, you saw me there. SM Bloom. I was uh, a Reba Fiend and I would always t- debate the best <laughs> Rebas. Yeah. Uh, and you know, us stat heads, that's one of the reasons I think so many fantasy football players are into fish. We yeah. you know how often a song started in the first set or was played in the second set or whatnot, and there's just some good stats to geek out to there. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, myself, I'm going to be heading out to Bill Graham Civic Auditorium for the last two of the three uh, shows for Fish this summer. My best friend from college uh, got some mail order and uh, hooking me up with the flight. So I will be on tour a little bit again this summer. So looking forward to that. Now, sir, shall we get into what we're here for? Yeah. Uh, You, sir, are, uh, as we said, co-owner of footballguys.com. You got going on over there? What's new at uh, Football Guys these days? Yeah, I think that people will see the newest, greatest dominator, the draft dominator mobile, the app, the app. This is the app that you want. Um, Simon Shepard, now we have a, a technical team to make it better, stronger, faster, bigger, um, of course. And, uh, you know, we've got the Football Guys Players Championship. Of course, we've got tons of DFS content. Uh, We've got all the things that you've come to know and love at footballguys.com. Of course, the Audible, you know, like everybody else in the football world, uh, will be ramping up in late July. You get the preseason watch list, uh, you know, covering all 32 teams, players to watch. Uh, eventually, ramping up to the full coverage. I think we have above uh, north of 60 staff members now. So, covering everything. You're obsessed with the football. We're obsessed with the football. Come and join us at footballguys.com. And of course, the podcasts are free, the newswire is free, the forums are free. Uh, and then we hope that if you see, when we ask you for something, say, hey, if you, $34.95 for a subscri- subscription, you will not be disappointed. 
Uh, we have a money back guarantee for that. So come be part of footballguys.com with us. Footballguys.com. Always some cool stuff going on over there. And Sigmund, one of the questions I always start off these shows with is uh, asking folks what they use. Now, I ask either one of the two things. So what sites do you go to or what stats do you use? Now, I hear a lot of Pro Football Focus, FF Today, Pro Football Reference, or uh, yeah, Pro Football Reference Game Pass. Is there a website that I didn't mention, of course, besides footballguys.com, that you use, or maybe it's a statistic right. that you use when you know search. You, let's say your late round quarterback didn't work out, and you're you're streaming. Is there a stat that you use that um, might lead you to a, a starter for the week, or a website, a statistic, something you yeah. yourself? find valuable. Yeah. Well, I want to say actually that uh, myfantasyleague.com and just the way you can see uh, fantasy points scored and sorting players by week or by a certain range of weeks and then drill down to game logs for the players and things like that. My, while myfantasyleague.com is the best place to host your leagues, uh, dynasty leagues especially, I think that a lot of the tools they have that you, you could use, you can use for fantasy analysis across all your leagues. And then I will, and then all the sites you mentioned are fantastic. Pro Football Reference, the granddaddy of football stat sites, Doug Drennan, one of our staff members, Chase Stewart, uh, one of our staff members started that, uh, or Chase came on. Um, Pro Football Focus is fantastic, of course, tons of great people uh, at that site. And I, I want to bring up the at football guys. We have, and Doug Drennan is the one who's done this. Um, we have this page that are game logs for a team, and it can give you in one view all of the stats by game uh, for each player. And you can see, you'll be able, the visual presentation allows you to see trends that you may not other see, otherwise see. Like when this player is out, this player's stats spike. Um, when, when the quarterback's pass attempts are low, this player is the player who usually benefits. When the pass attempts are high, this player is the player that usually benefits. Uh, or you can see, you know, over the last two or three weeks, the, the offense has been changing. So, but being able to see all 16 weeks and it fills in as the season goes along and just letting the stats kind of wash over you, things start to emerge. Good stuff. As we said, you are a stat man, whether it be uh, what second set opener right. fish is playing or uh, the accuracy of aimed throws and quarterbacks in the second half of the season. Now I too am a stat man. And as you folks know, that are listening to the pyro light fantasy football podcast, I'm your steely eyed missile man, pyromaniac Mo. You can find all the cool stats we've got on our draft kit. All the information is at pyromaniac.com follow me pyromaniac mo on twitter just as it sounds pyromaniac mo and i'm joined by sigmund bloom you can follow him on twitter just as it sounds sigmund bloom and before we pay the bills sig i'm gonna ask you a trivia question and then coming out of the other side of the commercial we'll give you and the folks at home time to think but here is the trivia question which i will answer shortly so according to pro football focus if you looked at the midway point of the season last year, so we're talking eight games, if you wrote down the top five fantasy quarterbacks and then compared it to the top five at the end of the season, so we're talking after eight weeks, top five fantasy quarterbacks, and then after the regular season who finished the top five, you would notice that two names are missing. So there were two guys that were top five halfway through the season that did not finish there. Give me those two names right after this, folks. 
All right, gang, you are back here with Pyromaniac Mo and Sigmund Bloom, and we had a trivia question right before we went out. That was looking at week nine. So after the first eight weeks of the season, there was five leaders for quarterback in fantasy football points. But at the end of the season, two names were missing from that top five. Sigmund, can you yeah. guess who was doing really well and then who got left off that top five list at the end? I will guess Andy Dalton and Philip Rivers. Ding, ding, ding. Now, I, I got to say, you are still in the running for a beautiful, all-expenses-paid trip to Slovenia. Mm. Warning, not all expenses paid. But yes, indeed, uh, Philip Rivers finished 12th, according to uh, Pro Football Focus's measuring, and Andy Dalton finished 19th. Um, interesting, of course, Dalton had a bit of an injury, and I'm going to talk to you about these guys yeah. coming up here quite a bit, but speaking of Injuries. Lots of injuries, uh, not only going back to last season, and of course we're, we're watching these guys now, but even coming out of OTAs, we've got some injury news that folks are really keeping an eye on. Now, I did a football talk with Will Carroll. He's the injury expert from FanDuel. He brought up a lot of the big names from last season, right? Le'Veon Bell, Jordy Nelson, Thomas Rawls, Forsett. But after OTAs, we've got names like Eifert, uh, Watkins, Moncrief, both of whom seem to be on the rebound. But is there anyone that you're really concerned with, an injury you are keeping an eye on? Yeah, it is Le'Veon Bell. And you cannot overstate the importance of this for fantasy football this year. Uh, because he is, every week that Le'Veon Bell is on the field, we will project him as the number one running back that week. Uh, it's simple. Now, how many weeks will he play? When will the first week he plays? When will it be? We don't know. We really don't know. And uh, our Dr. Dean Bramwell, and Will Carroll is fantastic, by the way, like a, a yeah. pioneer in, in this area, uh, marrying um, injury analysis to fantasy analysis. So Le'Veon Bell had a, a multi-ligament injury. And look, they're being non-committal every time he talks about it, every time the team talks about it. Here's the thing. When Le'Veon Bell is on the field, he's the number one running back. Who was the number one running back in fantasy football when Le'Veon Bell was not on the field last year? D'Angelo Williams. Now, I think the answer to this is you just take D'Angelo Williams, and, and I can't believe he's still only going in the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th round because he's a proven league winner, and we still don't know when Le'Veon Bell will take the field, how effective he'll be. And let's be frank, uh, in three years, He's yet to get through a year without having that year marred by injury in some way. So I think that we can pencil in D'Angelo Williams as an essential part of your draft to begin with, but he has the potential also to win your league for you. And knowing Le'Veon Bell, the extent of his injury, how quickly he can get back from it, how quickly he can get back to the player he used to be, is really important because with Martavis Bryant out, with a lot of unproven players, Ladarius Green is certainly shown flashes, but still mostly unproven. I think the running back is going to be the number two target. Certainly it is when Le'Veon Bell's out there. So we have tons, tons of scoring potentials. We saw last year, the Pittsburgh running back was the number one running back. We just don't know who it will be. And Le'Veon Bell's health is the key to answering that question. Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head as far as handcuffs. Um, I'm not a big handcuff guy unless the next man up is a D'Angelo Williams or down in Tampa, Charles Sims, right. a guy that you can plug in and basically guarantee you've got top 10, if not better uh, at that position. Whereas some other times people are handcuffing the second guy there and it's kind of just a guy. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in the ones that if 
said running back goes down or said player goes down, that man number two is going to be a fantasy producer. And those are the ones I'm keeping my eye on. Tampa Bay, um, uh, Pittsburgh, yeah. certainly. I'll give you another one. Yeah. Jarek yeah. McKinnon in, in oh. Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. Uh, I think that, and I, whenever Matt Asiata was re-signed, I was like, oh, man, they're going to, you know, and Asiata could still Bogart goal line carries if Peterson goes down. But I think that McKinnon has gotten to a point, place of prominence, especially the way he finished last year, that Minnesota will want to see, they'll give him more work anyway because they want to see what he's capable of to know that if he can be the, the long-term answer for them after Adrian Peterson. But if Peterson goes down, this is a team that loves to run the ball. This is a team that's going to be conservative, less conservative than last year, but still conservative on offense, a defense, winning team, clock management, ball control team. And Jared McKinnon flashed some tremendous talent at the end of the year last year. So I think Jared McKinnon is your other backup running back. When I say backup, Charles Sims, and you make a great point on Sims, that if Doug Martin goes down, jackpot. But he's going to still yeah. cost you like a sixth or seventh round pick. You can get Jarek yep. McKinnon after D'Angelo Williams, but he also has league winning potential. Well, and we saw that in Minnesota in 2014. It was uh, Asiata who was top 24. I think he finished 15th or 14th or something uh, that year. So that's one of those offenses that you can count on the next man up. And those are the handcuffs that I'm really looking for if an injury does indeed occur. Now, Talking injuries, um, I'm going way back to last preseason. Now, I am a Michigan man. I live in the Mitten State. And uh, last preseason, we got to see Zach Zenner. I'm very excited to see him. Of course, we've got running back, they say by committee, we've got running back by community <laughs> in Motown. We've got Abdullah. We've got Ridley. We've got Riddick. Zach Zenner. Heck, there's Wynn, who even filled in nobly. Uh, when some guys were down last year. News from OTAs, and of course, guys, can you count on news from OTAs? Just once, I want to hear uh, some honest truth from some of these coaches. You can't decipher all the time um, what's coach speak and what's not, but sounding like Abdullah's looking sharp. Also, I'm hearing that Riddick is going to get more carries. They don't want to tip their hand when Riddick goes in. Of course, it's not going to be much to build on his 43 carries last year. Uh, but who are you liking yeah. in this running back by community in Detroit? If there is somebody that uh, can help us win, really help us win, it would be Abdullah. And I, I found it interesting that Tim Twentyman, who writes for, this, bring this for the site, yeah. has said on multiple occasions that basically he's going to get every opportunity <laughs> to be the guy in this offense. And it sure seems to me like it's more of a three-headed backfield. Uh, and we can see Abdullah, like so many other parts of the Lions offense, did a lot better after Jim Bob Cooter took over. Uh, yeah, baby. I don't think that Calvin Johnson retiring will be a big hit for this offense. I think that they have an offense that is attuned to Matthew Stafford's strengths. I think they have the right kinds of players for him uh, in Golden Tate. And I, I think Marvin Jones will, will at least be passable as a starting wide receiver. I think there's room to grow there. Eric Ebron, there's some room to grow there. Uh, and then Theo Riddick out of the backfield, who will probably be the second or third most targeted player on the team. Um, I still think when it's all said and done, week to week, this is going to be a nightmare. Uh, in best ball leagues, I like Theo Riddick just because you know he's going to get 75 or 80 balls over yeah. the course of the year. You just don't know how that's going to be distributed. And then you have someone like Zach Center, who, especially in non-PPR leagues where touchdowns are king, you want to look at. It sounds like his pretty gnarly uh, injury to his, I guess, torso. You know, it was a, it was a uh, I think he had an internal organ injury and... Uh, yeah. It was definitely something that we wanted to see him come all the way back. He did. I liked Zenner a lot yeah, coming out um, North Dakota and uh, uh, I think, I'm, I'm, or no, the Jackrabbits, South Dakota. 
um, South Dakota State. Anyway, Zenner was a guy that I had as a third or fourth round pick. Um, he was somebody who, even though he played uh, at South Dakota State, had shown up really well, I think it was against Nebraska. And he had speed. He had a strong base. He had a little bit of shiftiness to him. And he was someone who looked like he already understood how to run in an NFL style, even though he was playing at a lower level. What's interesting about him is, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Mo, is he, he wants to be a doctor, I think. He has like plans for after football. And plans for after football in the football NFL circles can mean, though, we don't, you know, they basically want dudes that are eat, drink, sleep, football, 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 football. Yeah. I can't live without football. And I get that. I'm not saying that that's irrational. So I think that's why he fell out of the draft. What I'm saying is he's better talent than a typical undrafted free agent. Stephen Ridley, I'm afraid his knee's never going to be the same. Uh, Dwayne Washington's an interesting guy, seventh round pick they have, who's got the size speed combination. If you just watch him in a vacuum, that's what you're looking for in the NFL. Now, I think he's got a lot to learn about the craft of being a running back. So he's going to be an interesting guy to watch in the preseason, but it should be Zenner's job to win as the big back. And then you have yeah. the situation. You have the receiving back, you have the big back, and then you have Abdullah doing a little bit of both. I think that the offense will function very well, but I think week to week it's going to be difficult to know. If we like the Lions to win in a week, maybe we like Zach Zenner to close out the game in the fourth quarter and, and finish some drives. If we think it's going to be a more wide-open game, we might like uh, theoretic. Is there going to be more hurry up spreading the field? Uh, it's it's going to be difficult to predict that. And I think that more what we're looking for this year is maybe a look towards 2017 to see who emerges. But a three-headed backfield can be something that's excellent, even though it bothers us for fantasy football. And I don't see any reason that the Lions won't make full use of all three of those backs. Well, and that's one thing I'm paying attention to. I'm going to bring up a little bit later is expected game script yeah uh certain teams san francisco gonna be playing from behind cleveland gonna be playing from behind and that's gonna impact uh, a lot of the fantasy players and, and where i think their value is really gonna come from uh one reason we'll, we'll probably bring them up later if we get to them but one reason i like kind of as a sleeper tory smith mm. i think one we've seen what uh kelly can do with that number one wide receiver and then they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to have to throw. Now, going back to Detroit with the game script we see, I, I love that what you're saying there, if they're negative game script, we're going to see passes out of the backfield to Riddick, positive game script, we might see Zenner. Let's talk about the passing game because you guys just brought this up. Uh, you just recently had uh, J.J. Zacharyson, I believe, mm -hmm. on the show, and you guys were talking about this, and uh, just a caveat, I don't know if you, uh, J.J., or even Jim from Friends are looking for an apartment. But if you guys want to get together, I am down yeah. for, for sharing an apartment. Um, you guys were talking about this. And Tim Twentyman, again, brought up, we all like Tate getting a lot of targets. Tim Twentyman said Marvin Jones is going to be right there. And that's what a lot of people are asking. 149 targets did Calvin Johnson take with him. I fear it's going to be spread out. Now, I do like... Ebron, he, he's going so late. Uh, 14th round, he's fantasy football calculator as in the, the 20th tight end being taken. Uh, I, I like that. Of course, Ebron, as much as I, I kind of like him for a late round guy, it still irks me. We're talking the 10th overall pick in 2014. Taken before Odell <sighs> Beckham. And Aaron taken Donald. Taken before Aaron Donald. Taken before Zach Martin. <sighs> but I digress. Uh, I'll work it out with my therapist. Uh, but 
what do you see about the passing yeah. game? Is, is this just going to be too spread out to really know to lift one guy? So I want I would want Tate or Jones as my third wide receiver. Um, yeah. I think you're looking at maybe you know 90 catches for Tate, 75 catches for Jones, probably similar yardage. Maybe Jones does more in the red zone than Tate. Uh, but the gap two or three rounds that will be cheaper uh, for Marvin Jones makes him the target at wide receiver. At, uh, at tight end, I will see Eric Ebon grow. Uh, we'll see him maybe get more of a prominent role in the red zone. It's still actually a somewhat high bar now to get into the top 10 or 12 tight ends. So I think you're right that at tight end 20, he's a value when you look at his growth potential. But I still like uh, the value of, say, Antonio Gates or Gary Barnage. Or I, I love Martellus Bennett. I'm carrying the, huh. the banner at the beginning of the Martellus Bennett parade because of New England, because of the way that they're going to keep these two tight ends on the field. So I like Ebron to grow. I think that he has to grow significantly to break into that top 10 or 12 tight ends. It could happen, but as you said, spreading it around, because Theo Riddick really is like 2A in this pass offense. He's a very prominent player in this pass offense. So when you have the two wide receivers, you add in Riddick. Yes, I do think that the Lions will be among the league leaders in pass attempts. I think this offense will run through Matthew Stafford. I should mention also I love Matthew Stafford. Uh, Taking him, uh, you know, you're talking about probably quarterback 20. He was quarterback 6, I want to say, after the bye last year. Um, Quarterback 10 after Jim Bob Cooter took over, but one of those games was the London game. I was just like a mulligan. After the bye, he was a top six fantasy quarterback, and even without Calvin Johnson, I think they've surrounded him with the right kind of weapons and the right mindset to maximize what he's got. Yeah, it's exciting with uh, Jim Bob Cooter. I mean, across the board, uh, fantasy production, those guys increased uh, tremendously once uh, Cooter took over, I think it was week eight, and uh, the Kansas City, I think, is when he took over, and we just saw a, a real rise in that offense. Of course, he's he's kind of scrapping it. He had to take over on the fly, and he's inserting in his own offense this year. Interesting to see how well that will take. I believe in him after seeing what he did last year, um, but my fear is there's there's too many sort of cooks in the kitchen. Very similar to a couple other situations. Um, To me, if you look at Baltimore, you've got a big pie there with a lot of mediocrity. Uh, Tennessee, you've got a lot of, uh, I don't want to say shiny new toys. Maybe (laughs) maybe, maybe they're new toys. Shiny isn't perhaps the best adjective. Maybe, uh, I don't know, patina? Yeah, right. Weathered. uh, Something (laughs) weathered, yeah. Uh, so patina, new toys with some patina on them. But what do you think of those two? And you can take this in any way you want sure. to go. Baltimore, Tennessee. But the one thing I do like, I think it kind of lifts the quarterbacks. I think it lifts Flacco. Got a lot of places to go. I think it likes lifts Mariota. Plus, I think with Mariota, we've got uh, some untapped potential there with his legs. Uh, I, I'm still very anxious to see what the heck exotic Smash Mouth exactly. is. Um, it, it apparently is not according to uh, my sources on the intranet, it is not a European cover band of some kind, but an offense. Yeah. So uh, curious to see, but what do you think about these two offenses' mediocrity? Is there some fantasy gold to be had there, and does it lift the quarterback position since there's so many places to go? Well, maybe not gold. I mean, maybe something where like you go to the thrift store and you find <laughs> a shirt that you might wear on a Saturday night or something like that. So sure. Kamar Aiken, I think, would be the guy for the Ravens that 
it's all coming together for him to catch 75, 80 balls again. We're not sure about Steve Smith. We're not sure about Prashad Perryman. Yep. Mike Wallace is going to be limited. Now they have four tight ends that they may use with Dennis Pitta back in the mix. They've got four running backs they might use. Um, I know. So Flacco, you, you mentioned about these things intersecting with the quarterback. I think Flacco, Tressman offense, lots of passes. He'll be an yep. excellent bye week injury type quarterback to coverage. Mariota might be one too. And we say exotic smash mouth. I wish I could remember a uh, person on Twitter. He, he said, I think he compared it. Uh, I went to exotic smash mouth once in Thailand, like an after hours club in Thailand. And I, I wouldn't recommend going there. Uh, but <laughs> look, this, I don't like the sound of that. I don't like the sound of um, an offense that's going to try to be simple and exotic at the same time. And with Mariota, I think you're right to bring up his legs as something we hope creates excess fantasy value. But I think of, look, DeMarco Murray in a read option system was terrible last year. You do not want DeMarco Murray at a standstill when he gets the ball in his hand. You want him as a downhill runner. Derrick Henry, second round pick, very similar. So I think either you aren't going to see Mariota run a lot of designed read option quarterback runs, or you're going to see them try to do it and fail. Uh, he can still get some yards on scrambles and things like that. But I, we will see Mario to have some big weeks for sure. It will be difficult to know when. And this is one where you almost count on the team's ineptitude helping you. Because if the, what did Mariota just say this week? Like, I'll hand off the ball 40 times a game if I have to. Yeah. And you, that's what they want to do, okay? They're not going to be able to do it. But that just shows me a lack of inspiration uh, as opposed to say when you were talking about Detroit and Matthew Stafford where you're really setting up a quarterback for success and you're running the offense through the quarterback I don't think that's what we're going to see in Tennessee so I, I think these are both offenses that you break ties against any player from Baltimore or Tennessee in your draft uh, another quarterback that's <clears throat> similar and I wouldn't compare this offense to what we've been talking about but of course, they, they came out at the same time, Marietta, Winston. We're, we're always comparing the two. I do have Marietta rate ranked higher in the fourth version of our draft kit. I think I had him 12th. I, I could see him, you know, probably 15th um, as of right now where I stand with him. I do like Marietta better than Winston, but I like what he's got going on down in Tampa, yeah. um, particularly Mike Evans. I mean, we've got a healthy Vincent Jackson and Austin Severin Jenkins, hopefully. Uh, that's going to help. Now, my boy Stephen Wilt on, on Twitter, he is the, the FF War Room, helped me out with some numbers here. But last year there were 13 pass catchers, pass catchers. There was a one or two tight ends, but 13 pass catchers that had, and I rounded up, had at least 25% of their team's targets. So we're talking technically 24.5. 13 pass catchers that had about 25% of their team's targets. Now the average for those 13 pass catchers was nine touchdowns. Mike Evans had three. Mike Evans was indeed one of those 13 that mm -hmm. garnered a lot. So we, we talk positive regression. To me, Mike Evans screams positive touchdown regression. He had 12 his rookie year. He's got more familiarity now with Winston. Um, if I could get him, if I'm going wide receiver early and often, and I get him as my wide receiver too, I'm very happy. And we've already kind of mentioned um, Charles Sims. I love him. But uh, what's your take on yeah. the offense down in Tampa? Yeah, this is an offense on the rise for sure. They had a ragtag offensive line that should start to gel and hopefully they get more of Donovan Smith. Uh, you have Mike Evans, as you said, you want consistency. Uh, I think his hamstring injury coming into the season hampered him. I think in general, inconsistency hampered him. He's admitted that he, you know, he could do more, do better. 
hopefully Vincent Jackson will be healthier. Um, Cameron Bray emerging as a red zone yeah. weapon. And at least Austin Samaria Jenkins has, you can make a narrative now that he's going to get it together. We'll see. Um, Charles Sims, a great receiver on the backfield. Doug Martin, uh, you know, rushing lead, NFL rushing leader. You know, you've got that going on. And it does all intersect with Winston. And Winston, so here's something interesting. We just brought up Mariota. Winston had six rushing touchdowns last year to Mariota's two. Yeah. And Winston is also slimmed down to like 225. He's dropped some weight. Uh, he, the guy, speaking of eat, drink, sleep, football, that's that's Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's already the leader of the team. This is a team on the rise. I, I do think that Winston, uh, there's so many quarterbacks. You really can't go wrong at quarterback this year. You know, Winston no. is another guy you're going to get like after quarterback 12 who could easily finish in the top eight or 10 quarterbacks with what he has around him. But I do think this is an offense that we look for the whole offensive pie to get bigger this year. Yeah, I'm really excited about Tampa. Uh, Now, another question we've had often at Pyro, and it seems the fantasy community is sort of answering this. When we first started talking about Doug Martin or Lamar Miller, they they were really neck and neck. Since our conversation at Pyro, Miller, his ADP has really started to climb. Um, Certainly in in PPR, uh, Lamar Miller has climbed. Now, MFL 10s, again, that's uh, full-point PPR. We're talking second round, basically first pick of the second round for Miller. Martin is going early third round, a little closer in standard. But personally, I'm really liking Lamar uh, with that Bill O'Brien offense. Uh, What better place to land? We always said in Miami – he didn't get enough looks, didn't get enough carries. Houston had uh, the most plays last year. They were fifth in rush attempts with 472. Volume, volume, volume. So I love a Lamar, but uh, what is your take? Would you rather have Lamar over Doug as the rest of the community, or are you really yeah. going with uh, what used to be called, known as the muscle hamster? Yeah, the muscle hamster. Uh, it, it, and it's, I think there's a good round gap here uh, where I think yeah. Martin's more of an early third, Miller's more of an early second. And as you said, it's volume. Miller's also going to be heavily involved in the passing game. Uh, yep. He's an excellent receiver out of the backfield. And with Miller, we've just seen the talent to be a workhorse. Miami, for whatever reason, was not using his, him as one. Houston is paying him like one. They're going to use him as one. There's nobody there. Right? Alfred Blue, Tyler Urban. There's nobody there that's going to threaten him. They're going to get as much out of him as they can good defense. They're going to give them game scripts. Uh, so I think it is Miller. I, I think the problem with Martin is just the lack of involvement in the passing game. And look, Charles Sims is not going to be less involved than he was last year. Uh, no. This is going to get clo- It's not going to be a 50, 50 split, but it's going to be closer to a 50, 50 split. And remember you get Charles Sims, some in the red zone, you get Charles Sims more in the hurry up offense. Uh, I think they're going to allow James Winston to do more. No huddle this year. So I, I just think it makes it easy, but I think they're both solid picks as you're running back one, especially for Martin in a non-PPR league because he's not as involved as a receiver out of the backfield. But Lamar Miller, if we look back at the end of the season and he's running back three this year, let's say, or running back yep. two even, we shouldn't be surprised. Couple other running backs, as I said, I'm really loving Lamar. Um, I, I would not be surprised, like you say, if Martin finishes there. Although we're kind of fifty-fifty, right? We got two really great seasons, and sandwiched in between there was two pretty poor seasons. A um, couple other running backs, though. If we look at Cleveland again, we talked about negative game script. Uh, this should bode well for pass catchers in Cleveland. Of course, the the big caveat there is who's going to be throwing the ball. 
But uh, recently in a, a Pyro Light podcast, I talked to uh, Paul Chargian. He was very high on Duke Johnson. Paul's another guy. You, uh, Paul, two of my favorites. Uh, he was very high on Duke Johnson. OTA talk, uh, more of a workload for him. Is Duke worth his, I believe, seventh round ADP, according to a fantasy football calculator? And I was looking at standard in MFL 10s. He's a fifth rounder. Right. Um, could be a bit of a steep price. Are you paying a fifth round price in PPR leagues for Duke Johnson? In MFL 10s, I am, because I'm often going yeah. wide receiver heavy early. And right. I think players like Duke Johnson, Giovanni Bernard, Danny Wood, they steal wide res- uh, running back one weeks for you in a PPR. Week to week might be more difficult to ride those ups and downs in a redraft league where you want to have somebody that's a little bit more stable. But Duke Johnson, uh, remember when Johnny Manziel was out there, he was barely involved as a receiver out of the backfield. But whether it's RG3 or Josh McCown, won't be Cody Kessler, uh, he's going to be maybe the most targeted player on this team. He or Corey Coleman. Yeah. Wouldn't be shocking mm-hmm. to see Duke Johnson catch 90 or 95 balls. And you, Jackson, the new head coach, has shown an excellent ability, sort of like Todd Haley or Chan Gailey, to look at what he's got and make yep. the best use of what he has in his offense. And the best thing he's got, well, Gary Barnage, who I mentioned earlier, and Duke Johnson. Uh, these are the guys I think that are going to be featured in this offense, in a pass offense. We'll see how if Corey Coleman is ready coming out of Baylor. He would be the third guy. Um, and I, I think that Crowell is also very interesting, too, because remember, uh, Hugh Jackson has been excellent at creating a power running game everywhere he stopped. And... This offensive line is an excellent, excellent offensive line. They don't have Alex Mack anymore, but they still have Batonio. They still have Joe Thomas. Uh, they still have an excellent offensive line in Cleveland to build around. And I just think that you, Jackson, I know they've been running more hurry up, so that, again, would be something. Tempo would be something that would benefit Duke Johnson. But Isaiah Crow, I think he's just 23. He's an excellent talent, a second- or third-round type talent, even though he fell out of the draft because of character concerns. We know we can put those yeah. aside. Now, he hasn't necessarily hit his peak as a player if we can see you jackson get through to him and if we hear stuff coming out of training camp that he's looking sharper because he already splashes crowell at different times um he's going to be if this team can stay competitive in games he's going to be a player that isn't that different speaking of you jackson than say we have the jeremy hill Giovanni bernard combination it's just a question of how competitive they are because if they're less competitive and playing from behind that's more of a duke johnson game script if they're hanging in that's more of an Isaiah Crowell game. I think Crowell is probably as good or better than Jeremy Hill as a talent. So I'm watching this closely because I do expect Cleveland's offense, because of you, Jackson, because of the offensive line, I do expect it to outperform expectations. I'm just not quite sure which of the running backs will be. You know, maybe they could ride the Cavaliers bump, the wave, uh, and, and yeah. the, the new optimism there around the city. But I do think that at least one of these running backs is going to be a great value. Yeah, and Isaiah Crowell, he's one of the the last, perhaps, starters you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, ninth round MFL 10. I mean, you've also got, you know, Forsett going very late. Um, Rashard Jennings going very late. Maybe but, Chris Ivory, maybe. Yeah, Chris Ivory. Um, so there's some guys, I, you know, I love going wide receiver early and often. And we talked about MFL 10, that, that fifth round. Boy, there's some gold yeah. to be had there. Uh, Woodhead, Latavius Murray. Uh, Ajahi, yep. Ryan Matthews going right around mm-hmm. there, Matt Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, good year for going uh, wide receiver early and often. Lots of great options at the running back position. Now, some other late round running backs in, well, one late round running back over in Buffalo, mm-hmm. 
Carlos Williams, I, I still like a McCoy. I really do. But we've seen him talk himself out of a starting gig and, and into the, the doghouse there. Uh, Carlos Williams, I think he had eight games last year that was either a touchdown or 100 yards. Fantastic. I'm hoping they give him the rock more. Yeah, eight out of 11 games last year, touchdown or 100 yards. Hoping they give him the rock more, but what do you see in Buffalo between these two backs? Would you rather take the value of Williams, or do you like a McCoy? Well, I think that McCoy is going to be your workhorse again. I just don't know if he's going to hold up. Uh, His workload over the course of his career, starting the clock early, puts him square in breakdown, danger zone, the number of injuries he had last year. He's already dinged, and I just don't like to see that. But Carlos Williams is overweight with his... uh, Sympathy pregnancy weight. Folks have seen the pictures out there. And hey, I look, he, he can get healthy and uh, I mean, he can get slimmed down enough. But he himself missed time with a concussion. And we never yeah. like to see a player miss multiple games with a concussion. I think he missed three weeks plus a bye week. We don't know if he would have been back. And I think he had a shoulder injury at the end of the year. Uh, and I do believe when McCoy went out, they were using uh, Williams and Mike Gillisley uh, mm-hmm. sort of a, to a similar extent. So I love Carlos Williams. I think he has the theoretical potential to be a league winner. If McCoy goes down and misses the remainder of the season, if Carlos Williams was plugged in and not even got McCoy's touches, but say 75% of McCoy's touches, like 15 carries and Williams is also an excellent receiver. I expected to see him used more as a receiver that at that, but at the same time, I saw Mike Gillisley look pretty good last year. They have the fifth round pick, Jonathan Williams, who I really liked. Uh, He missed all of last year out of Arkansas with a foot injury, but going back to 2014, I saw him as a do everything back perfect uh, NFL build at 5'10", 220 ish, uh, you know, can pass block and receive out of the backfield. We'll see if he makes the team as a fourth running back. So I think this might be a team that if McCoy, McCoy's the workhorse. And then if McCoy goes down, you're going to see some sort of committee. I think that Carlos Williams has potential to be a league winner, but I'm not sure if he would hold up or if the bills would use him in the fashion where he could deliver that. Another guy there. And I am big on Carlos Williams. Another guy I was really high on, until recently, but I'm coming back around, Tyrod Taylor, and nothing against Tyrod. He was kind of one of the guys, you know, maybe a cousin's Tyrod, a quarterback I can get late that I'm going to count on. Uh, Sammy Watkins' injury concerned me, although things sound like they're progressing nicely. Uh, Do you share my concern that Tyrod's fantasy potential is really heavily tied up with the health of uh, Sammy Watkins? Yeah, I don't expect them to run him. He had 104 carries last year, you know, four rushing touchdowns. I don't expect them to run him enough to make him be able to have fantasy relevance week to week without Sammy Watkins. Uh, And, you know, you had out of uh, the games he played last year, more often than not, he was getting zero or one passing touchdowns. Uh, More often than not, he was below 30 attempts. Sometimes he was as low as 12, 19, 21, 18 attempts. So this is problematic. Uh, I think that while, say, from an MFL 10 perspective, you're going to get some big games in there. You're going to get a game that he breaks off a 40-yard touchdown run. You're going to get the games that Watkins catches two touchdowns. If Watkins, and we haven't seen any proof that Watkins can stay healthy over the course of a season and already, you know, foot surgery in the offseason. So I agree with you. Why? And I, you can't really go wrong with quarterback. I'm not going to say don't take Tyrod Taylor because he's so cheap. And he produced like a borderline quarterback one last year. But I prefer Matthew Stafford. I prefer Kirk Cousins. I prefer other quarterbacks in that same range uh, because of the issues with Watkins. And also you can just see with the Bills not giving him that extension, that the Bills want to see. Now that's incentive for Tyrod Taylor, 
but you, you see the bill saying, yeah, we don't know if you're the answer. And I think because of that, and Cardell Jones is an interesting name here to think out about long term. Uh, I, I'm I'm hesitant also to use that pick whenever I see more attractive options at quarterback in the second half of my draft. All right, Pyromaniacs, you're listening to the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Pyromaniac Moe, and I got another trivia question for my guest, Sigmund Bloom, and the listening audience out there. Remember, plan for a trip to beautiful Slovenia. All right, here's the question. Although I never had more than one touchdown in a game in 2015, I led all NFL players in red zone targets. I want you to think about that once again led all NFL players with red zone targets, yet he only managed to put together games with one touchdown only, never a multi-touchdown game last year. Think about that while you listen to this. We'll be back soon. All right, Pyromaniacs, we are back. Remember, guys, head over to pyromaniac.com. We got our draft kit there. Over 20 bones of mass destruction, auction values, PPR rankings uh, for all skill positions. We've got kickers and defenses, sleepers, busts, touchdown dependency, and so much more. All our information about the draft kit from Pyromaniac is available at pyromaniac.com. I am here with Sigmund Bloom, and we asked the trivia question, Last season, he led, this pass catcher led all NFL players with red zone targets, although never had more than one touchdown in a game. What is that player? Oh, man. Um, this is tough. I'm, after acing the first one, I think because we were talking about him, maybe he's too prominent in my mind. I'm going to say Mike Evans, just because it matches up with a disappointment. Yeah, yeah, we uh, the the trip. I'm sorry, Sig. Oh. To beautiful Slovenia is off the table. Uh, Eric Decker Ooh. had 12 touchdowns, 10 of which came in the red zone. Led all players with 28 red zone targets last year. Now, as much as we love trivia, uh, and we, I'm sure I could get some trivia, and I love Decker this year. But uh, let me ask about some rookies. Haven't okay. talked too much. Hit hit around them a little bit, but. Um, not too much. Now, I've got some guys that I really like, you know, a, a Treadwell, uh, I like Shepard, um, certainly Easy e for the running back. But uh, what are some rookies yeah. that you are ending up with or you got your eye on? Well, I'm not afraid of taking Ezekiel in the first round. He's in, okay. he's in, a, perfect, wow. he's in a perfect situation. See, I'm afraid of that. I, I, I haven't seen him at the NFL position. No, I haven't true. seen him in the NFL. It's I want to be risk averse in my first couple right. rounds. But I could totally see him with that offensive line, but... I don't think I can pull the trigger. So I just think, in the first and I, I understand why. Um, I, I just think that this is a very rare confluence of talent and situation, and and there's risk there, but there's upside to justify the risk. But um, you know, you mentioned that Sterling Shepard, I think, is surging towards the seventh, eighth round, and may start to go higher. Penciled in is not penciled in, write it in pen as the number two receiver there with Odell yeah. Beckham, and Shepard is NFL ready. Michael Thomas is another one. Uh, he and anytime you hear that Drew Brees has special chemistry developing with a receiver, uh, especially one that they spend a second round pick on when their defense is in shambles, you know there's something there. He's going to step into that Marcus Colston role, which he is handmade for. I mean, his style of play, his ability to create after the catch, uh, his long frame. I think that Michael Thomas is an excellent pick. But going a little bit deeper, I'm watching DeAndre Washington. 
in Oakland. I think that they're not sold on Latavius Murray. DeAndre Washington's a very dynamic back. He just needs to get his game a little more under control. I think you're going to see him get at least the opportunity to show what he can do. And then if he outplays Latavius Murray, even in a limited touch sample, you're going to see that scale start to tip more towards DeAndre Washington. I think he fits better in the kind of offense they have anyway. So I'll be watching him uh, among the running backs. And I, I think that certainly as the year goes on, just like last year, I mean, did, we, did we expect to be talking about Jeremy Langford? Probably not. Did we expect right. to be talking about Matt Jones? Not really. As the year goes on, though, some of these younger running backs, Devontae Booker, Kenneth Dixon, we talked about Baltimore, yeah. somebody, two or three, are going to emerge. Maybe Lamar Miller goes down and it's Tyler Irvin. Uh, Swerving Irvin with doing like a Steve Slayton impression. Uh, we'll see. But rookie running backs always end up being a key, not just the obvious ones like, say, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, just the young legs, the injury rate at the position. Uh, and you look for teams that aren't sold. Wendell Smallwood in Philly. I'm not even that impressed with Smallwood. But you can easily tell a story where he leads the team in touches this year. Well, you uh, – two things, and they both come from uh, Dave T. Thomas. We were actually talking about him before we went on air. Uh, he's been very good for our show. Uh, he, the man can tell a story. He can turn a phrase, let me tell you. But uh, two things came up in my discussion. I did a podcast with him about rookie running backs, podcast about rookie wide receivers. Uh, I'm going to tell you both things, and you can react to whichever you like. For rookie wide receivers, his man was Sterling Shepard – he said he could easily see him getting uh, Rookie of the Year. couple reasons. Now, one reason I love him, we're talking a Ben McAdoo offense. In the last two seasons, Eli Manning has the second most red zone attempts under this McAdoo offense. He is now, of course, the head coach. Uh, he's, he's not going to see the best and brightest of the secondary. They're going to be over on ODB. Uh, Shepard just is an, an incredible route runner. Dave T. Thomas said he could see Shepard going over 1,000 yards and possibly double-digit touchdowns, which was quite the call. Now, another one that sticks out in my head, because uh, I keep ending up with a lot of Ryan Matthews, a lot of shares of Ryan Matthews. I really like him last year, or this year. Last year on points per opportunity, he was right behind David Johnson. David Johnson, I think, was .62. Ryan Matthews, .60, behind a line that couldn't get any of the other running backs above 4.0 yard, yards a carry. And uh, he did it. He was fantastic. So I really, I asked him that I, I shared my love of Ryan Matthews and I wondered who the backup was talking about Smallwood. We were talking about rookie running backs. And he said, to be honest, keep your eye on Kenyon Barner. Mm. He's not sure that Smallwood is necessarily going to be the guy. So what do you think there, yeah. Dave? Dave's take on uh, Shepard or a, a lack of take on Smallwood? Yeah, well, Shepard, I think you're going to see the drumbeat. I, there was just an article today that I linked to on my Twitter feed uh, that told a little story where Steve Spagnuolo was talking about how uh, he's talking to the coaches and saying, oh, look at what Beckham is doing to our defense. We have to, like, get on them to do a better job. And then they had some that's actually Sterling Shepard. So if yeah. a defensive coordinator yeah. is watching the players and mixing up a somebody with Odell Beckham, I want to know who that is. Uh, and I loved I just want to I'll go off and and sing a little song of praise. I loved Shepard's tape at Oklahoma. Oh, man. He's only 5'10", 190, which is, if you're saying, what's, what can we say negatively about him? He's just, he's not 6'3", 220, uh, and he doesn't run a 4'3", 40, okay? He's not, he doesn't have outstanding, ridiculous yeah. physical gifts. But everything else you see, he was the best blocking wide receiver I saw in this class. He or Laquan Treadwell. 
He uh, can win in the air. He can win after the catch. He can win with route running. He has a nose for the end zone. He plays bigger than his size in many ways. So I think that Sterling Shepard is an automatic fit here. Uh, as far as Smallwood, I think this brings up a good point that I've learned over the years playing fantasy football and doing a lot of fantasy football analysis is often we can isolate and pick the right situation, but we don't always pick the right player. So be ready to pivot. So if it's not Smallwood, who's kind of just a guy, uh, but it can be a good receiver out of the backfield, a useful back, then we're looking, is it Kenyon Barner? Uh, you know, is, is there going to be, I think the Indianapolis backup running back situation is another one where, you know, we have Frank Gore, we know he's old. I think he's still going to hold up and be fine. I like Frank Gore a lot at a seventh round price tag. Yeah. Who's yeah. next up though? Robert Turbin, maybe he signed to a minimum contracting with like $30,000 guaranteed. He might not even make the team. Josh Ferguson, kind of like a Wendell Smallwood type, maybe, uh, or Trey Williams, who's a really dynamic back. Uh, he was on Dallas's practice squad last year. Uh, so we, we need to, if we identify the situations, we have an initial position of this is the guy that I would put a chip on right now, but we know it's the situation that we need to watch closely and be ready to be open to somebody that we didn't expect uh, because the situation often, especially running back, can create the production as much as the player. Folks, I am Pyromaniac Bo, and of course we are here with Sigmund Bloom. Sigmund's been so good to me over the years, and of course give him a follow at Sigmund Bloom. He is co-owner of footballguys.com. Sig, uh, I know we are creeping up at the end of our hour here. I got two more for you. Okay. Uh, we've been talking tight end, so let me end there, and then I'm going to give you my famous last question. Um, tell me. Now, you already talked a little bit about Martellus Bennett, so if you want to talk him, that's great, because I honestly don't know what to expect. We've seen this two tight end from uh, Wild Bill before. It it worked in the past. Are we going to see it next year? There's some other guys I'm kind of interested yeah. in. Um, in New York, we were just talking about New York. Uh, Will Ty, he is ranked very low in fantasy drafts. I like, I said, Eli in the red zone. Past two years, only Aaron Rodgers has more red zone attempts there. Um, so I'm curious as to know your thoughts there. Even a Lance Kendricks mm -hmm. in L.A. or uh, a Cook moving to Green Bay. Uh, which of those guys would you see yourself drafting, maybe taking a flyer? Yeah, it's, and it is, it's Bennett. And I, I, mean, I can make a case for Cook because of Rodgers. You know, he's got the best quarterback. Um not so much Kendricks. Now, I'll be interested to watch for the long term. Tyler Higby, who was more of a second, third round type receiving tight end talent, but got in and there was like a pre-draft incident where he got arrested. But the fact that he was arrested before the draft and still went, I don't remember if they took him in the fourth or fifth round, but that tells you that what they saw in him was something they wanted and were willing to take risk to take him. And he's a, a pure receiving tight end prospect. They've got Tamar Hemingway, who I know is a Matt Waldman favorite there. Uh, Kendricks is, is kind of just a guy. Um, but competent. Martellus Bennett, I don't want to belabor this too much. People that listen to my show have heard me wax poetic about this. You know, love Black Unicorn, love what he brings to the table. He's an accomplished fantasy tight end. I mean, we already know that even with 85, 90, 95 targets, he can be fantasy relevant. But then you put him in this situation where you've got Rob Gronkowski and Martellus Bennett. Wild Bill will run. To, I think you're going to see... Uh, Martellus Bennett basically is a starter, and you're going to see him on the field 75, 80, 85% of the time. Two tight ends, you've got two in Gronkowski and Bennett who can both run block very well. They can run routes downfield. They can get downfield. They can make things difficult for a safety or a linebacker to cover them and to bring them down after the catch. Uh, you can split them out wide. 
You can do a lot with these things. Tom Brady has always worked best in the middle of the field. That's why Edelman or uh, Welker, Amendola, that's why these players feast in this offense because that's Brady getting the ball out quickly, giving these guys chances to do things after the catch. So you have an offense now that can really put defenses in a bind, even more than when they had Aaron Hernandez because with Bennett and Gronk, you can have a heavy look and you can run blunt or you can have these guys get out into pass cover, out into pass routes and each be a mismatch. I think you're going to see Martellus Bennett get 85, 90, 95 targets at least. I think you're going to see him get 8 to 10 touchdowns, you know, 60, 55, 60 catches, 700, 800 yards. But then you add in the what if Gronk gets hurt. Yeah. If Gronk gets hurt, he's the number one tight end, basically. Or he's right there with Jordan Reed. Uh, he's a, so you've seen even the reports from OTAs and minicamp. I know you said, well, what can we believe out of OTAs and minicamps? We don't really believe anything out of it, but it gives us things to look for. And in this case, it yeah. was Tom Brady, Martellus Bennett, working off to the side on red zone plays. They wanted Scott Chandler to be that guy. He was a dud. Martellus Bennett will be that guy. And I think that we remember that Tom Brady is one of those quarterbacks that who's his favorite receiver, whoever's open, whoever yeah. the mismatch is. Who as a defense are you going to focus more attention on, Rob Gronkowski or Martellus Bennett? Who are you going to say, well, if someone's going to beat us, it'll be this guy? I think it's going to be Bennett. I think you're going to see Bennett have some games, like eight catches, 110 yards, and two touchdowns. I think you're going to see some games where he runs wild. That's why I love him in MFL 10s, because you're going to collect yeah. up all those big games. Yeah. And I think it, does, it isn't hard to picture him as somebody that you even just plug in as your tight end one because of those peaks. And because in any given week, I think he'll be almost as likely to score as Gronkowski. All right, sir. My last yeah. famous question for you. Like, Blues Master John Lee Hooker once sang, mm. give me one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. Mr. Bloom, sir, <laughs> give me one bounce back, one sleeper, and one bust. Yeah, and we've touched on some of these players already. Um, Go for I, it. I like Frank Gore to bounce back. Uh, yeah. he was, He's my guy. I loved him at... I loved him in the third round last year, and everything fell apart. The plane ran into the mountain for the indie offense. But Andrew Luck will be back. They have a center, hopefully, that will firm up this offensive line. The left side of the offensive line is fine. The right side, some issues. I thought Frank Gore was running pretty well last year up until, say, week 11, week 12, week 13. Uh, they brought in nobody of any, as we talked about, any sort of uh, competition that we should worry about. Get him in the seventh round. You've got a starter. You've got someone who's a solid receiver out of the backfield. You've got someone who's going to get his name called in the red zone that will be down there a lot more with Andrew Luck as long as he can stay healthy. Um, sleep, you know, we've already touched on Martel Spence's sleeper. I'll say this, Sammy Coates. Uh, hmm. And Sammy Coates, you're just looking at Martel Spennett, Martel Spennett's role. Sammy Coates can do those things, or at least can do a credible impression of those things, running deep, uh, and also on those quick hitters, those screens, make things dip, very difficult after the catch. They love him. They think, the way they're talking about him, they think he's going to break out this year. Ed Bouchette, who's been covering the team since the 80s, yeah. said that the way that he's been around this team for decades, the way that they are talking about Coates, they believe he's going to break out this year. But this could also be one of those situations where I was talking about a few minutes ago, where we identify the situation, the vacuum uh, of, left by Martavis Bryant, and we have a, a player that's our first choice for that player in Sammy Coates, but it might be Darius Hayward Bay. It, That's the name I just typed up. Yeah, it might be Darius Hayward Bay. So keep that in mind. If Sammy Coates, he had problems ball tracking at Auburn. Sometimes track the ball over his mm -hmm. shoulder. He looked lost. Uh, so if that's still an issue, we see like shades of Lima Swede, my fellow Steelers fans out there cringing, uh, then it could be Darius Hayward Bay. But the point is that second wide receiver, because Mar Marcus Wheaton is the third receiver, and the Darius Green deserves to be in this conversation too. Um, 
as far as a bust, I'm trying to, I don't have a name that jumps into my head right away when I think about a bust. Let me think about this. It's because um, Devontae Parker. Uh, okay. Devontae really? Parker is a name that I think we are giving him credit for things he hasn't done yet. And I do think that Jarvis Landry is still going to be the most targeted guy there. I think Kenny still still has something to say about that offense. I think that Jordan Cameron might still have something to say about that offense. I think they like Leontay Carew. When they moved up for Leontay Carew in the third round, I think they gave up like three picks to get him. So they like Leontay Carew. This is a player that has been a favorite of a lot of people that are breaking down players for the draft. Um, I I do think that Devontae Parker is a player that we are projecting at his ceiling. If you're taking him in the fourth or fifth round, you're basically taking him at his ceiling because of the nature of this offense. And he's a player that hasn't shown the consistency and production yet to deserve that. You know, he's going around the same point as someone like Michael Floyd or Eric Decker, who you mentioned, because Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be the quarterback for the Jets this year. Yeah. You know? um, Michael Floyd no- is the guy I would take there. So I, I think Devontae Parker is somebody that you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you're taking him where he's going in drafts right now, fourth, fifth round. Well, with uh, I, I will say I, I love the calls. I, I love Gore myself. Uh, Darius Hayward Bay, he's the name I, I typed up while you were talking, yeah. Sammy Coates. If if memory serves me, Coates in college had, had a very low catch rate, yeah. um, a lot of drops. Also, I remember from Dave T. Thomas's scouting report, uh, a lot of knockdowns for, for yeah. uh, a lot of guys smaller than him were able to knock the ball down. Yeah. Didn't seem to have that my ball mentality. No. And looking at splits last year uh, when Martavis wasn't there, it was Hayward Bay that seemed to really fill the role. It'll be interesting to see how far Coates has come, to see if Darius Hayward Bay continues to fill that role. And again, that's why I think we're all chomping at the bit to see uh, not just OTAs, but to see a real camp with the pads on. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, the, all this speculation, we stare at it and stare at it and stare at it like a magic eye. We think like the answers will emerge. And then it all gets shaken up again. Uh, and that's what we like. We like that it's a moving target. We like that it's always stimulating. Man, if you know, if we get the apartment, uh, Jim from the office, yeah. you, me, and, and JJ, mm-hmm. I would love to buy you some beers and stay up all night and talk fantasy. And uh, Which show which are we putting song? on the background? Which show? Uh, how about 710-2000 Fish? Ooh. That would be the Moby, the Moby Dick show. Yeah, a great deer. They were just at Deer Creek. I will always call it Deer Creek. So my personal Me favorite too. Deer Creek show was eight thirteen ninety six. But uh, yeah, I like it. I like going to the Deer Creek. That's a good one in summertime. I was at both those shows, my friend, living in ah. the, the, the Michigan state. So I've caught my fair share of Deer Creek shows. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Sigmund Bloom, of course, co-owner of footballguys.com. Catch him on the Audible podcast, and one of my favorites on the couch. Uh, He's been a great friend to me over the years and uh, just one of the good guys in the fantasy industry. Sigmund, I can't thank you enough, sir. Thanks for chatting with me today. Thank you. Can't wait to come back. All right. You're always welcome. Once again, folks, I am Pyromaniac Mo. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, all letters, just as it sounds. He is Sigmund Bloom. Give him a follow on Twitter, S-I-G-M-U-N-D-B-L. O-O-M. And of course, on the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast, as always, we will catch you on the flip side. 